tired. It's been a really long day. Yesterday was Purim and it was amazing. But today, Shush and Purim here in America and uh, real Purim going on in Israel. The World City celebrates Purim a day later, so that's Erev Shabbos for them. But it was an amazing Purim and we are excited to be here once again in the Hot seat, as I call it, for our Purim, our Pesach slew of shows that we've got coming up between now and candle lighting. We, the big countdown is on till Pesach. I'm very excited to have an, another great lineup of guests. But let's start off with our intro. Hi, everyone. I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food, all the time. I love food. I love to shop for it, cook it, eat at restaurants, anything food related. I'm a a cookbook author, a personal chef. My business is called The Aussie Gourmet. I give cooking classes. I run chop competitions and I wrote two cookbooks. One is all about Pesach and it's Pesach season. So now I can shamelessly plug my book. I hope you'll tune in every week and hear about my cooking adventures, kosher food traveling and sharing of great food ideas and recipes. I like to hear about your experiences too. So email me, Naomi at NachamSiegel.com or reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Okay. If, as I always say, if you eat it, share it, because I, I like to hear what all your foodie adventures are about too. Uh, we have a great lineup of guests today. Uh, quick review. We've got, we're going to have Shani Seidman. Remember a couple of weeks ago, she was on the show, and I told you she had a great story about Pesach and Matzah. So she's going to join me in a minute from uh, Manashevitz. Uh, then we're going to have uh, Rebecca Saltzman from Israel just doing a quick talk about getting organized for Pesach, which I think is so important. She's a personal organizer at home, at home, home of Israel, everyone's home, the Jewish people's home, but at home in Israel. Um, so we'll be talking to her. And then in the house, we have an incredible lineup in the studio. We have Lauren Jamal. Am I saying it right? Yeah. My Aussie accent, I'm never sure. Okay. Uh, who actually, a woman entrepreneur who made her own knife. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. And those who are watching will see a huge lineup. Let's pan the vegetables on the show. And two of my closest friends in the foodie business, we have Susie Gornish, partner in crime. And then we have Moishi Hirsch, also partner in crime, from Central Perk. And we are really excited to talk to both of them about all their incredible food that they are doing together. All right, on the line, let's hear it for Shani Seidman. Hi, Shani. Welcome back. Hi. Hi, Naomi. Good to be back. I haven't gotten my microphone yet. I know, right? It's in the mail with a check. <laughs> okay, great. I'm looking forward to Just it. Just checking about the check <laughs> and the microphone. Um, actually, I think I have one from kosher.com. I'll send it to you. Next time we meet, I'll bring it to you. Um, awesome. Uh, Shani, we were talking a couple of weeks ago on our, our, on our segment, and we'll call this our, our What's Cooking segment, uh, sponsored by Manischewitz. The great Manischewitz, the OG in kosher products. Before there was a Heimischer brand, before there was anything else, there was Manischewitz. And you were telling me a really great story about machine-made matzah. Take it away. Yes. Yes. So, first of all, 100%, the OG brand, um, Manischewitz, is one of the first American kosher food brands. And it all started with Rabbi Dove Bear Manischewitz wanting to make matzah for his community in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, do you know, do you eat um, square matzah on Pesach? I absolutely you know do. matzah that we all familiar on Pesach? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I absolutely do. I have some recipes in my book, matzah Oof. toasts that are... So, matzah toasts. The, the square-made matzah 
before Rabbi Dov Ber Manashevitz, there was no such thing as square made matzah. Okay. He invented square made matzah, and, and it was out of necessity. So there were some other, you know, until Manashevitz came around, there were most matzahs were made by hand. Um, there were some other smaller machine made matzahs, but they always had a kosher's problem. And many, most Rabbam, the Rabbanim at the time, did not give the kosher certification for those smaller machine-made matzahs because they were concerned about the small parts and having dough get into the small parts and having chametz um, oh, because they were lasting yeah. longer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Rabbi Dov Ber Manashevitz consulted with many rabbis at the time. He traveled near and far, went to Israel, consulted with rabbis in America, and he came up with, he invented the three-part matzah baking system that everyone uses today. Wow. Um, yeah, where you have um, three parts of the machine, one that kneads the dough, one that rolls the dough, and one that perforates and cuts the dough. And the big, a big problem they had in the kosher standards was there's leftover cutting the masa into the circle shape made many leftover scraps and that those scraps got caught in the, the machine. So he invented the, the, what do you, how do you eliminate waste from a circle? You make a square. So he invented the square matzah. He patented the machine. I actually, when I was going through the Manashevitz archives a few years ago, I discovered the original patent for the first machine-made matzah that was universally accepted. Shani, that is so um, cool. That is so cool. I know. I, I know. love that. I, I, I geeked Jewish out history. when I found it. I, it's so cool. And it's and it, we eat it, you know, the history lasts to today because we were able to produce a significant amount of matzah because of this. Do you know, can you guess, Naomi, how many pounds of matzah Manashevitz alone, the brand Manashevitz alone makes a year? Just the matzah. How many pounds? How many pounds a year? I want to say a million. Over three million. What? Pounds of matzah wow. a year. And obviously it could not be done without this kind of machine that all the Rabbanim approved and it became the standard for matzah eating, um, you know, we obviously a lot of us have shmura matzah for seders or even along the whole holiday, but the machine matzah is very widely accepted. And that's its OG origin story, which I think is fascinating. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I love it. I love it. I love Jewish history. Like I, I in college, I always took a lot of Jewish history courses in high school. Whenever I could, whenever I go on a tour of Israel, I'll try to take in as much Jewish history as I can. And and learning about like my local Jewish history, you know, American-made patterns on, on matzah. Like that's really cool. It's like the innovation ingenuity. I feel like that's something that we should definitely take pride in. Right, um, he, bringing matzah to the masses. Pro- right? Exactly. Think about the exactly. Jews in Cincinnati that weren't in Brooklyn or or in mm-hmm. in Kansas. Kansas, I was just there a couple months ago. The Jews in mm-hmm. Kansas probably didn't have a matzah factory, and they had to get. And they have a long history of Jews there. They couldn't get matzah, so they probably mm-hmm. had to get the Manashevitz matzah. All over the country. We spoke of this mm-hmm. a few years ago. Wherever I am in the country, all 48 states I've been to, I've always checked out the kosher aisle. And they've always got Manashevitz products. And that's where the American brand came from. It's really from him trying to make products for his community and the community at large. Like you said, communities around the country that are not necessarily, um, you know, they don't, they're not insulated by big cosmopolitan cities. They really need to get access kosher food and 
you're right. Every retailer in the country has Manish Abbott's products sitting on a shelf. It's incredible. Can you tell us about, we've heard about some of the old products. Tell us about some of the new products that we can look for this Pesach. We're hearing this first on Shushan Purim. Now we can finally talk about Pesach, now right? Now we can talk about Pesach. The floodgates are open for Pesach talk. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what I love about um, one of the new products we have this year, it's actually a t- it's an old product that has like a little bit of a new take. And we have a tr- uh, some chocolate-covered matzahs that I know it sounds like, oh, my gosh, what is that? If you think about a chocolate-covered pretzel, the saltiness, the, the crispiness, and the then it's sweetness. And covered in a matzah. The sweetness. We have a gluten free one. So if you oh. are gluten free sensitive or aware, it's keeping totally up with the times. Have, that's that's it. Exactly. And we have another gluten free product, a few gluten free products actually that Manischewitz comes out with because a brand that's synonymous with Pesach, like it is, we come out with gluten free products by as a byproduct naturally of trying to come up with products that don't use flour so that we don't have, you know, it's Nagabrox. And we can have products that are naturally gluten-free. So we actually have some great gluten-free products that are kosher for Pesach. We have new gluten-free wafers that taste like the real thing. We have gluten-free pizza in your freezer section that's kosher for Pesach. Oh, excellent product. Shani, can you send me some samples, honey? Absolutely. I need samples. We'll cook them up on the show next week. I'll hand deliver them to you so we can have pizza I'm holding you to it. I mean it. I've got to bring out the Betty Crocker. For all, awesome. your, all, for all the people that are making trips on Cholamoid, you ready? I lost her. I'm ready. Oh, there you go. Okay, there you go. I couldn't hear you there for a second. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Naomi. My pleasure. I'm having uh, – it's a little spotty. Is it? Okay. We're good? All right. Shani, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, we look forward to thank seeing you some, for of having those, me. So those, some of those pizza bases, chocolate-coated matzah, hearing the history of the square Manischewitz pattern. That's, I, I find that mind-blowing. Um, and I would love to see that pattern one day. Will you show me next time we meet up? Uh-huh. It's in our archives. I have access. I have the key. Okay. We'll go down to the storage. We'll put on white gloves, white felt gloves when they go down there and, you know, oxygen tanks. Okay. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sean. We'll, we'll, we'll talk thank soon. Thank you, Naomi. All right. Thank yep. you so much thank for coming you. on the show. Wow. I My love pleasure. Talk. Thank you, Sean. Um, good Shabbos. Okay. I have to wish her good Shabbos. Um, it's always so cool to hear from her because she always knows like a lot about history because she's been working the kosher food products for a long time and especially a company like Manischewitz has got like so much history. I didn't even know that they started in Cincinnati, right? Like you think it would start it off in New York, but Cincinnati. Okay, joining us now, I'm just going to try to get on the phone all in Israel. They are like seven hours ahead. Here we go. Balagan be gone. Is that a name that I need? I feel like I need to be Balagan. Mm. I am a Balagan. Uh, Rebecca Saltzman, we knew each other from the Lower East Side days. There's that Israeli ringtone that we all love and we all know, and now the gates of flood of the gate the floodgates have opened. Um, Hello, Rebecca Saltzman, what up? Hey, Naomi, how's it going? How are you? Good, good. Can you guys hear? I'm great. I'm glad to talk to you. It's been I a love long to hear your. Lovely voice. Thank you. Like back at you. Um, I think we spoke last year before Pesach. We did. I think it's going to become an annual thing. I love what you are doing, keeping people organized for Pesach. <laughs> How was life in the Holy Land first? 
Today was a beautiful day. It was nice and sunny and warm. It was really lovely. Beautiful. I got to say. Fantastic. We are recording this show, but everyone is going to listen to it on Shushan Purim. Um, Excellent. Friday, right after Purim. And we are just having an amazing time today talking. And we're going to be talking to a great group of people about Pesach Talk and just food in general. But let's start off with a good Pesach planning session on Balagan Begone. Okay, I'm ready for you. How do we start with Pesach? Purim is behind us now. What, what okay. am I doing? It's like so many people, you know, like it's, it might be their first Pesach or even if they're going away to either Florida or to their in-laws or making – like what? How, how do you start? Like what's the first thing you need to do to get ready for Pesach? Okay, so it totally depends on if you're staying or going. Um in either case, I think that now is a good time to start clearing out your fridge, your freezer, your pantry, because that with the food. Think, See, guys. Yeah, I mean, I actually think like cleaning out those spaces gives you two things. If you're making Pesach, then cleaning out those areas gives you space for Pesach food. That's right. number one. Right. Number two is if you're not. If you are or if you're not, you will know after Pesach, everything is fresh. So it gives you like Pesach. I always use Pesach as like the holiday, the new year for food for me, because what I do is I, I know that nothing in my house is really older than last year's Pesach <laughs> because I'm cleaning out my freezer. I'm cleaning out my pantry. I'm cleaning out my fridge. I use the weeks before Pesach to start using up those open condiments. Um, maybe I have some chopped vegetables in the freezer. Like those are the, now I'm starting to use up the reserves. Right. I call it cooking from so, your pantry. So you exactly. just start cooking but, after Purim, everything that you've got in the house. Yeah, and it's great. And you can start meal planning around what you already have. It's actually, it sounds like from a budget perspective, it sounds like it might end up costing more. But actually, if you're using up what you have, you reduce your food waste, which is huge. Um, and you'll know that everything after Pesach is fresh. And, and I feel like it also gives you room for during Pesach. I mean, I have a very small pantry. I need the space so that I can – I need to start using the food up so that I can use the pantry space. So right. for me, it's practical, but also it really does save time and energy to start using up what you have. And I think it makes you a smarter menu planner for later on because it allows you to see what you really use and yeah. it, I think, inhibits those impulse purchases in the supermarket later <laughs> on. Impulse purchases at the supermarket. I know nothing about that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about the impulse purchases. Purchases. I'm like, oh, what's that? I've it's never hard. seen that we before. Toss eyes. that in the wagon, you know. Never go to the supermarket hungry. <laughs> Take it from me. Um, so true. talk about it's your true. cookbook. Uh, not your cookbook. Your uh, organizing book. I'm holding it up in front of me. My planner. Oh, the Organized Jewish Life Planner. So it's actually a companion to my book called Organized Jewish Life, which isn't out yet, but the planner is available on Amazon. And that's the next thing you should really be doing if you're staying home for Pesach is now's a great time to start your menu planning and shopping lists because as you start to see things on sale, 
you can start to pick up dry goods and things like that. And you can start to see what fruits and vegetables are really looking nice and in season. And you can really plan these amazing menus around that. So if you start menu planning with the planner, uh, it will really, really help you. And the nice thing about this planner is that there's tons and tons of checklists in it. And they really, really help you prepare not just your menu planning, but also your budget and your timelines and like all the things related to cleaning for Pesach. But this planner is good for all year round. So there's 52 weeks of Shabbat and there's all the Chagim. So you can use the planner for the whole year and every year you can just swap it out for a new one and I'm, reference the old one. I'm showing everyone, I'm holding up to the camera our YouTube on our YouTube channel, on Nachum Siegel Net on YouTube. Um, I'm holding up. It's also color coordinated. Yeah, it's full well. color. And you have like things from checklists, what to do on Monday, what to do on Tuesday, Friday afternoon. Um, exactly. Get who the guests can, are. So it's easy. Actually, exactly. the, it's- I love this part. She has a little box here in orange or red. I'm not sure what color that you would call this. <laughs> it says date. Parsha, what candies and what time have dollar is. I think that's awesome. Yeah, because I absolutely love this. It, it's important to put it down. And at least if you forgot to do that week, you could look back at the week before and, you know, add five minutes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is absolutely <laughs> or fantastic. Subtract, depending on which way we're going in the calendar. I love the to-do list. Um, Every day I have a to-do list. I'm a very big to-do list person. I don't know if everyone else said Are you? That. I'm getting a nod from Lauren. Yes. Um, amazing. Where do we I pick up your book? It. Where do we get your book? You live in Israel. Amazon. We live in America. Amazon. You can it's follow on Amazon. You can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and your website. Correct. Balaganbegone.com. Okay. And on Instagram? Also, Balagan, it's just Balaganbegone. Okay. And Facebook? Same. Balagan or you begone. can follow me personally, Rebecca Chaffetz Saltzman, although go. it's kind of hard to spell. Right, that is. I know because I, I feel like you spell Rebecca differently and Saltzman has got a Z in it also. So you've got yeah. a few Zs in your name Search there, love. Balagan, be gone. You'll find me. You'll find me. It's, I'm not hard to find. Exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> you run a course. Just talk about the course for a quick sec. Yeah, so it already started. Um, It's a 36-day decluttering challenge to help you get decluttered. But after Pesach, I'll actually be running a paper decluttering challenge. So if you are interested in that, you can send me a DM and I'll be happy to send uh, an email about that. Love it. Fantastic. Rebecca, it's always great to talk to you. Love talking to you, Naomi. From the Lower East Side days where we both both used to live in Seward Park. To, uh, you're yes, in Israel. I hope to join you one day, but I'm in New York. We hope that you join us soon too. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. Have, I want to say, have a good Shabbos. I don't have to say happy Purim anymore. I, right? It's happy Shushan Purim. Okay. Have <laughs> a good Shabbos. Have a happy and kosher Pesach. And a happy, exactly. Kosher Pesach. Thank you, Rebecca. All right. Thanks for having me, Naomi. My pleasure. All right, guys, you got to get this book. Rebecca, okay, I'm going to hang up. Okay. Ah, okay, now I don't have to like bring in the guests. Um, all right, on the phone, all our guests are in person now. Susie's like, oh my God, Naomi, what? Are you nervous, Susie? No, I just want to go cook in the kitchen. I know, I pulled Susie out of the kitchen. We'll talk about uh, the guests line up in a second. So um, right next to me, I have Lauren uh, during Jamal, uh, but with, next to her is she- Chef Susie Gornish and then restaurateur extraordinaire, 
my good friend Moshi Hirsch from Central Perk. Um, Susie and I run a Pesach business together. We were introduced by the great Bosch Boschnek, right? That's right. Uh, and we have been cooking together for about four years. Four years. Um, there you go. You've got a handheld mic. Woohoo. I know. You feel Something like you want to sing when you've got that in your hand, right? Um, yeah. So we're going to talk to Lauren first and we're going to hear about her knife skills and Susie's definitely going to jump in on this because she's actually a, trained by the Culinary Institute of America. <laughs> um, and then Moshe will talk too. But really, uh, how are you? Hi, Naomi. Thank you so much for having My me. My pleasure. So to be here. Thank I'm you, very excited you. to have you on the show. So a couple of weeks ago, your aunt reached out to me and said, Naomi, would you like to try a new knife? And I'm like, sure. I get a lot of here. Put your microphone. Put oh. this. Just raise it up. Better? Okay. Better? Great. Good. Um, would you like to try a new knife? I'm always looking to try new knives. I find knives don't always stay sharp for so mm -hmm. long, right? It's a big yeah, problem. Yeah, for sure. So I'm like, sure. So this, of course, I didn't remember the, remember the conversation. I told you this. And I'm like, <laughs> also like three weeks later, right. a knife shows up. I'm like, did I order one on Amazon? Like as you get older, you think you're starting to lose it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then your aunt followed up. I'm like, oh, now it all comes together. And here you are on the show. We yes. spoke. Um, I'm going to open up the box. This is my knife that you sent Think me. Think outside the plate, chef's knife, Aiden, chef's knife. Um, that's my brand name. And how did you, a young lady in college to become a <laughs> registered dietitian, yes. the real thing, Yeah. the real thing, Yep. come up with a knife company? Look at this. I'm going to take it out of this beautiful box. <laughs> it's untouched. Wow. Yeah, yours is, yours is beautiful. Mine's still, I don't know. I feel like I've had mine for so long. I'm like eager to open That's a new okay. One. It's okay. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Okay. And it comes with a little knife safety thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you get into this? So how did I get into it? I, um, I was always passionate about cooking. It was one of my favorite things to do growing up as a child. And when I started my undergraduate um, degree at NYU, um, studying nutrition and dietetics, we had our first course, which was Introduction to Foods and Food Science. And one of the third, first things we learned in the kitchen was knife skills. And I thought to myself, like, wow. I said I felt so empowered carrying something as heavy as eight inches and pasting something as little as a garlic. Um, and it was very – it gave me a lot of confidence. And so I think that was, like, sort of – I said to myself, like, this really is an underrated skill that – people need to know more of. And I felt like it was missing in my community, especially we have such strong ties to, um, and I'm sure everybody does a big heritage to a culinary background in Syria. Um, Are you Syrian? I'm a Syrian Joe, yes. Brooklyn, um, do you? I live in Brooklyn, I do. Um, I'm in Jersey for the summers, so it's great. I get the double balance. Um, and then uh, the following two years later, I began teaching cooking classes. And I had one study group of students. I remember going to um, one of my local stores to pick up knives. And I just remember looking through the shelves and, like, they have no good quality knives. Like, I think that's what sort of planted the seeds for me. And fast forward, I started to teach my classes, teaching knife skills. And I'm teaching them uh, the rowboat technique, holding the knife and how to use it. What's it called? Rowboat? So, yeah, the way that I was taught is you sort of take your index finger and your thumb and you wrap it around the knife. Okay, I'm doing this. Everyone stop what you're doing. Who's listening? And Grab your knife. It's Erev Shabbos. I know you're cooking. Uh, Let's so do some knife sort of skills. Just, can I stand up? Yeah, like sure. I'm just going to roll the ball like that. So, if you so wanna, we, do you want to try something? Yeah, can I do it? Can yeah, I stand up? for sure. Okay? Oh, we're going to jump right into <laughs> it. So, you wanted a knife to help you with knife skills. So, yeah. So, um, I had one of my students. Okay, she 
she looked at me. Oh, this is fun. She said, I want a knife. I want, and I said, okay, no problem. I'll send you the Amazon link. I think it was like a Wustoff knife. And she said, um, we're going to cut this lengthwise. Maybe take off the safety thing. Oh, yeah. And I said, no problem. I'll send you the Amazon link. And she's like, nope, I want to order this knife from you. And fast forward, I was on Zoom. So, what did you like this? So, we're going to make a basic Italian tomato salad. Um, and then I'm just going to cut them. Oh, we're actually making a salad? Yeah. We're going to... Yeah. Oh, that's great. Very I love easy. tomato and basil. Yeah. you got my two favorite foods. Yeah, so tomato, basil, and shallots. And then I have some red wine vinegar, mustard, and olea essence olive oil. That's my dad's. He sells Is them. this going to be out. parv? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Totally parv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm not um, all about that. Um, okay. And so I was also the other... Yeah, you got it. So um, in this hand, you're sort of pinching the knife. And then in the opposite hand, you're tucking your thumb in. Am I holding it right? Yeah, of course. I mean, you, um, you're the professional here. And they always say, like, if a knife goes through a tomato, that's when you know it's good quality. So that I started off with tomato just to help you out. Um, so I'm just going to cut this lengthwise. This is great. So what There's am I no doing? There's no particular like- way. And I think we're just going to put it in the bowl because I meant to bring bowls. Okay. Uh, lucky I have a lot of plastic bowls. Yes, thank God. Okay. Perfect. Wow, this is a really good knife. Mm. And by the way, that's a Yay, really nice tomato. I'm so happy. It's a Roma tomato. Okay, Roma. Um, and if you guys want to find this recipe, it's on my website. Okay, which um, is? Think-outsidetheplate.com. Think, think-outsidetheplate.com. Okay, yeah, so um, fast forward when I was on school for Zoom, um, I was getting a little relentless. I really always need simulation. I got my bartending license like the semester before and when I found out... <laughs> what, there's actually something real for bartending? Yeah, of course. I wonder if all those guys, I wonder if all those guys that have, you know, those businesses have got a bartending license. No, like we had the Kagan's. They have I had to. Jake from last, two weeks I ago. Mean, I think if you're teaching like individually at homes, maybe not. It's not as uh, formal, but I'm sure like if you're working at a bar, you definitely need it. Taste it. Let me know. Amen. Mm. It's yummy, right? It's very fresh. Yeah. I don't, I really only like tomatoes when I grow them in my garden, which it's wintertime, so it's not the time. August, baby. August. I have a whole thing outside. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, And so, yeah, so I, it was come November, I found out that I was, I had Zoom school the following semester and I came home one day and I looked at my dad because he's in the industry and I was like, dad. I want a manufacturer knife. And he's like, leave me alone. I have too much on my plate right now. I don't want to deal with this. Um, and you know, while what I'm talking, dad do? he sells appliances. So kitchen appliances. So it was sort of like an easier connection for me, but he didn't help me. <laughs> um, it happens to me that every time he comes home from work, he's always just showing me some portfolios and asking me if I think something is like a profitable item. And one day he came home about like two weeks after I asked him this, showing me some plates and I know, and plates and pots and pans and things. And I remember flipping through the portfolio and I spotted chef's knives. Um, and at the time I was trying to source a few factories like in Japan and Germany. And as I'm flipping through, I see like this little corner of the factory's information. So I just took a little picture of it. Good job. I, <laughs> little devious of me. Um, and I reached out to the factory and the rest was history. And so it's been a long yet fulfilling journey. Um, and now I incorporate knife skills into all my cooking classes. I do have a question for you. Ask away. Susie, Susie, take the microphone. Take it. I have a question for you. So when you found the manufacturer that you decided you wanted to go with, how did you decide that how you wanted to design the knife? Oh, that's a very good question. It's a very good question. Thanks, I, Susie. Great question. Yeah, I actually had this vision. I wish I brought that sample, but um, I had this vision, a very sleek vision of what I wanted my knife to be to align with my brand. I wanted this black, um, straighter knife that was a chef's knife, but also very functional. 
Um, and I got samples, sample after sample. I'm noticing that. I, I sent it to a few chefs to ask them their opinion. And I started noticing that in comparison from one of my samples to that one, it was scratching easily. Um, the sharpen, the sharpness didn't stay. The edge. The edge for tension, yeah, sorry. Um, and I spoke to a chef, shout out to Kim Kushner. I oh, remember. We love Kim. <laughs> yeah, Kim I has love been her on the too. show a few times and I can't wait for her next she's, book. She's really unbelievable. I'm so excited for her next book. Um, and I basically had a phone call with her and she looked at me. I mean, she didn't look at me, but she said very firmly on the phone, Lauren, there is a reason why stainless steel chef's knife had been around for hundreds of years. It's just, there's a reason why. And, you know, I sort of had to let go of that vision of that sleek thing that I wanted to align with my brand and say, you know what, it's, is it functionality that I'm going for? Or is it just looks, you know? Um, so I, I sort of, it was like a, little battle in my head, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm very proud and happy of what I introduced. And I think most of my market doesn't really, they don't know much about chef's knife. So it was sort of okay for me to start with this. And yeah, so here I how am. About, how about what I'm asking you, I think, is also about the shape and the design of the knife. So yeah, so good question. Um, I tried a few samples and I wasn't really so particular about like the bolster and the anatomy of the knife. It was more so the functionality that I got with it. And when I brought it to people, because I by no means consider myself like a professional chef, um, I'm going to show you what I mean by it. So mm -hmm. the next knife skill I'm going to teach you guys is a chiffonade. I oh, love Which is a technique in cutting basil. fresh herbs. Um, Susie is a culinary so, chef trained. Am I crazy? Like I say when I teach classes, I love chiffonading romaine mm -hmm. lettuce because I feel like it applies. It's another word for shredding in my head. Right. Can I just tell you one thing about we like our romaine lettuce cut into ribbons in my house. Really? Mm -hmm. Not not torn. I know you're supposed mm -hmm. to tear it, right, Susie? No, I do both. Are okay. you? I like it cut like in fine ribbons. My yes, that's exactly. Simi. So shredded. Very like, thin right, like, like a fine. cabbage, right? You're yeah, saying? Right. Exactly like a chiffonade. Like a chiffonade. Like exactly. mm -hmm. So is it is it fair of me to say that you I can, I can so this is chiffonade? Okay, it's, good. Right, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little chiffonade basil. Which so. is when you stack layers of, say, basil on top of each other. Could then you, you see roll it? it up. Not everyone can see some. Oh, talking okay, Everyone through it. You, you yeah. roll and I'll talk. You stack layers of basil leaves. You roll it up lengthwise. And then you cut. You make a stack. It's almost like you're rolling. It looks like you're rolling a cigarette almost. Yeah. Um, and, then you, and then you roll the ball. And then you row, row, what do you call it? Row the row boat. Row the boat. Yeah. Row the boat. That's what, is that a term yeah. of art or that's your term? Yep. I'm rowing the boat. We just back, I call it rock chop, where you just so, kind of like rock it back and yeah. forth in a slow sliding motion as well. And also, a big thing about it is that I, I never let the knife lift off of the board. Yeah, the, so the, I'm, the I'm tip of the, I taught that so, last night. Yeah, so the tip out. is yeah. just always moving. And here, it's just like a beautiful, oh, right at the beginning, I'm going to get it, but it's just like a beautiful shred. Um, Very if you nice. Can see it. Um, and then what I'm going to do is just put it in the salad. Yeah. I should probably start making the dressing. I feel like it's the summer now. Yeah. You know, you know it's a great. I, I serve this much. all the time. And I'm just going to put a little red wine vinegar. It's really, you know what I do sometimes when I make the salad? If I want some time in advance, I'll slice up the shallots and let it just marinate in the olive oil and the vinegar, which I didn't have time for today. But that's well, more That's a nice idea. Like give yeah. it a quick like pickle beforehand. Yeah. I think people don't really use shallots as much as they should. They don't? I, I, actually, I, I, I I'm a real swear shallot by person. Well, shallots, Susie, you have a background in French cooking, I'm right? just saying, shallots are like a little bit of a milder. They're they're good for salads and dressings. Yeah. Um, and they're also good for like a, a very 
a, a fine sauce that you don't yeah. want so onion. Mm. onion. I call it a chasm of an onion. It's, yes. it's very sweet. And you know, my little trick that I that I tell people all the time is that when you're wearing contacts, <laughs> you won't cry. <laughs> if That's you wear contact one. lenses, you will not cry from onions. Right, right. I don't wear contacts, so I cry. Yeah, so. I, I never, I always and wondered, cry at do you know, I always wondered why I never cried when I, when I chopped up onions and then one day I just decided to wear my glasses and I was hysterical crying and I was like, oh, that's, that's probably it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to do another basic slice. I want to show you guys another trick, so me, another skill. Yeah, so, we love to learning tricks. Yeah, so I'm just going to, this is my basic slice, my slice shower. Look how nice you, she's, I can't see from this angle, but it looks like you're holding it nice. Could you see got that? that? Yeah. Knuckle protecting the, so, the rest yeah, of your so hand. So, yeah, so my knuckle, always, your guide. Your knuckle can be touching the knife. That prevents you from getting hurt. And this is also like, basically like a half moon slice, I would say, in an onion form. Just because if I had another, do you know all the different knife cuts like Brunoise? So I know Brunoise. Yeah, I don't consider myself like a pro. I'm not as like quick and equipped with a lot of it, but I, I do know it. Um, I I love it. I teach it all the time. But Brunoise is just a basic word for finely diced, right? Am I right? Brunoise is a little bit bigger than a fine dice. Is it okay? Little so, bit bigger. A little, little bit bigger. bigger than a fine See, dice. it's a little more technical. Just a tiny, but it's all right. Okay. Um, so we have to do some sea salt, maybe. You don't have salt. Thought I'd put it out. Okay. Here. Should I grab some salt? You talk. You Okay. You talk, so, I'll grab the salt. Yeah, so here I just have my delicious shallot and tomato salad with basil. Um, maybe salt and pepper would make it very yummy. Um yeah, perfect. I only use Himalayan salt, actually. It's I love the minerals are much healthier for metabolism. That's my dietetic background. I can't I can't send ZK rummaging through the closet. Can we serve this in Central Park today? Yes. Can you? Please you do. Have good, you have good tomatoes. Tell them, let me know how you how you like it. Um, you know what? Let's make a few bowls of it so you guys can all it's try it. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. Looks Yay. good, right? You know what, Moshi? Sometimes a simple salad speaks for itself. A it little really, feta cheese on top really, of that. It really, 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 really does. The simpler the better. Yeah. The simpler the better. And you know what? I think I, I learned that as I planted gardens over the summers that it's it's really... Yeah. You want me to help? You got, she's got this. She's got this. I just don't want to burden you with it, but... Um, Probably should mix, mix a little bit, yeah. So that's um, very nice. Yeah, it's really like an easy, easy, delicious salad. Should put that one in. I think you know what? I'm just warning you. The shallots, I usually like it to marinate a little longer. Oh, so that's okay. It doesn't Don't worry. taste as. You had great. me at tomatoes. I'm good with okay, tomatoes. Okay, fine. I'm happy. And really, I love like just the basil in it. I think that's yeah. like the most important um, thing in it. Okay. Okay. Maybe add a little of this. Let me know what you a think. A little bit. Yeah. I love vinegar. I, I love, I, I love, love vinegar. I love, love, love. Lemon and balsamic. all and of it. Any salad, you're, I'm sold. Okay. So this is for me. We're going to serve Central Perk some salad today. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, I'll take it from the critic himself. Mm -hmm. oh, thank know. you. Mm, yeah. Do you have forks over there? Mm. Awesome. That's enough. Yeah, right. In the meantime, I also prepared, you guys can taste it in the meantime, um, my vegan Caesar kale salad. Um, mm. You can also find this recipe on my website as well. Um, it's really delicious, but I'm going to... I'm going to get another cutting board for this because I just want a clean service. There's so. a whole setup here. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I definitely came prepared. <laughs> you have your board, your... Vegetables all cut up. Yeah, I think we need like a three-hour supersize oh show. Oh, my goodness. I Yeah, so I teach cooking classes. So normally this is what it is. Um, I, I began that. teaching virtual during COVID. 
Yeah, I did a lot of Zoom classes. Yeah, me COVID too. Yeah, you know what? It's, it opened up a market. Oh, I don't mind. I kept me busy from going crazy. Moshi yeah, and I, likewise. we hustled our way through 2020. Yeah. Right? So We oops. sold eggs. We, we sold did we food. We did Zoom. Look, Moshi, two years later, we got out of this. Yeah, thank, thank God. God. Thank God. You putting the tent yeah. up again? As of, as of now, the Cedars, the village of Cedars is not allowing it. And really? None of them How come? Are, they're all gone. The yeah. ones from Gomek that parking lot. It looks like them. the city is getting uh, getting the permits back. For outdoor seating? For outdoor seating. Wow. Yeah. It's smart. Yeah. You know what they said last year? There was no accidents with any propane. So why wouldn't they let it continue? Yeah, why so not? So here I have some kale salad. So I just... um finely spiced um, some jalapeno. I do. I made this yesterday. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Um, we like a good soaked yeah. massage cake. Yeah. I like a massage also. Yeah, likewise. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's also, it's, you know what? It's, so the cell wall breaks down right. when, when you cook it, I'm sorry, when you massage it a day before, um, which is really important, I think, with kale, because also it's, it's not easily digested um, for most people. Yeah, it's a bit rough. I remember the first time I had Kale, it was very rough on the belly. But I'm mm -hmm. not a jalapeno person. Oh, you're not. Okay, See, so yours, yours won't get jalapeno. I'm a, I'm a, what's it called? What's the Ashkenazi called? You're not from Syria. No. You're I, not spicy. You don't like spicy. I'm, I'm not guys, spicy. I love jalapenos. What, what, what do Syrians call Ashkenazis? J-dub? Oh, I, I know that term, J-dub. But I, I don't know what it really means. J, I think it just means Ashkenazi. I don't really know either. Yeah, me either. Because so. I, I don't know. But, 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 um... What is that on top? So it's cashew croutons. Mm. I have another one for you. I'm going to give you yours without um, jalapenos. But So this is for Central Park. Okay. Okay. ZK's like, you know, um, I'm, I'm Do not you want so, some? He's, a, he's not really a salad guy. Do you want try. some? ZK Are you going to try it? ZK eats with me every week. Okay. I just, can you move the kale? Cause ZK, yeah. Cause so I was going to chop some extra. I need to see that it's my clock. Yes. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Or else I'll be talking for three hours oh if I didn't goodness. have that Okay, clock. so this is yours. Moshi, is it fun to have someone else cook for you? Of course. I love it. Sitting back and watching you, this. So are you, a, are you a chef at home? No. Most of the time? My wife says I'm the best helper when I stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> I, I have yeah, to agree husband, with her. My husband do you want? also. Okay. Mm. What do we think? It's delicious. Okay. What knife skills are involved in cutting up the kale? So the kale, so it's, it's chopping up some kale, chopping, a fine chop, um, a rough chop, I would say, and then a thinly sliced jalapeno. I also wanted to show you guys a julienne. I think that's also an important one, and pasting, and then I'll get out of your way. You can tell that she's farty because she's just like haphazardly throwing those ha jalapenos around without washing More. her hands. Oh, it does not up. burn. It does not even affect me. Also, you see Maybe because you had it from birth. There? Microphone, Susie. You have that shallot there? Yes. Can, I was you, gonna can, you, can, you, uh, can you give us a little dice on the shallot? Yes. So I, wanted, I actually wanted to. Um, I have another knife to use, but I'm sure you guys want I have a knife over here. Hey, you can oh, use that great. same knife. Okay. I like to rinse. Is that mine? I think this one's yours. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, well, okay. So the way that I dice is I make fine little incisions mm -hmm. through the bottom. Can you see it? Let's take that away. Is that the front or the back of the so of the shallot? This is the front. I um. So I like to keep my skin on when I do that to keep the root tip intact. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone has their own way as they go. So I do about like three or four. You've yeah. got to do what works for you exactly. in your comfort zone. We talk about that a lot on this show. Wine pairings and cut. You do what works. You drink yes. what you like. You cut how what you yeah. like. 
There's no right or wrong. I think like the world now, society is moving less towards formality. So I'm very by the book. I'm very into education. I think it's very important to have that background. But I think as you go, it's okay to form your own your own style. So I do like about three or four. And I think everybody teaches things differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's we do broken a very telephone. Good and then I do like again taking the tip of the knife. So as you see, this knife has like a lot of different functions in terms of what part of the knife you're using for a certain type of cut. Really? So say like for 100%. I mean I think most most knives like for a Julianne I think I would use sort of like the middle to the bottom and for the top of the this the onion. As she's touching the tip of the knife, I'm wincing because ah, it's a sharp knife. I, I've, I've I've I have my sagas with cutting my hands. It's not even from knives anymore. Um, okay, so ready again. I'm gonna do the rowboat technique, and this is my fine dice. And with onions, it's a little less, um, like, cleaner and even as of a cup because you're just chopping it up after. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, that. if you're yeah. dicing a carrot, it's going to be a little more even. And we never, ever scrape our board with the edge of our knife. We turn our never, knife over. Never. Like that. See, I don't do that. I turn it yeah. over and I scrape it. Yeah. Susie knows I cringe. I know, but I don't do that with my knife. I, mm -hmm. I, I use it. Uh, Everybody don't. should be able to use their knife the way they like. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But I don't want anyone using my knives like that. So if you using see, my like, knife, yes. you turn it over. Yes. So if you see now, like, another way that I'm using the knife is that once I start chopping, you see how my hands, like, I'm not, I'm no longer, it's a different technique now, you know? So this is a fine, finely diced shallot. The wires, like, under my cutting board. But yeah, so this is... Could you see it in the camera? Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. She did a really good job there, everyone. Very Give nice. her a round Yay. of applause. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, and then the last thing yeah. I think show I wanted to thing. show you guys. Yeah, and if you want any extra dressing to dip things. Oh, yeah, no, um, I'm really enjoying this, both of them. So I have actually two more, but if we don't have time for it, it's totally, one totally more thing. fine. Okay. So I think I'm going to go with a julienne or a paste. What do you think? A julienne. A julienne. Or a paste. Pasting garlic. Um, do julienne. Okay. It's so, more practical. Yeah. So, I always love teaching pasting, though, because it was my great-grandfather's favorite knife skill, and it's also mine, and I didn't know that. It was more of intuition. Like, I always That's said so I loved funny. it, and well, my grandma told me. I'm going to make you come back me. on my show. That's okay, all. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. So, what we do with the julienne is now, I, I sort of just sliced it Unless in you can the do middle. both quickly. I, I definitely can. Okay. Then do um, and with a julienne, it's similar to like a slice. You want to have even ends. But for me, like if I'm making French fries, this is a potato. I use these ends for the fries because I don't necessarily care about evenness. Like we said, mm -hmm. everyone finds their own style. But in that. terms, for purposes of this knife skill, I'm just going to show you how I was taught. So I sort of find, I slice it down until I get an even area on the potato, right? And then what I do is I thinly, oops, that was bad. Thinly, thinly slice through the potato. And I'll take, like, let's say three of these. It's not as even as I want it to be, but it's okay. Oh, it looks fantastic. It's going to give me... That's still very nice. Type A in me. You're still going to get that julienne feel. And then again, just holding it down. Like matchsticks. Julienne is French word, and it's like matchsticks. Yeah. Get matchstick slices. Okay, and then this is what you're left with. And they're great for, like, stir-fries and great. things like let's that. Let's do the smash. Okay, so let's do the paste. Because i got to talk to Moishi no, 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 and you're Susie. you're fine. I know. I don't want to keep you all day. So this I is... I stand here talking all day with you. 
This is my shout out to Phantom Chef. I collaborate with them all the time. Oh, I do stuff with them also. They're the best. I love their pots and pans. I should have them on the show with you. You should. You really should. I actually you love them. You talk to them. Jonathan? Uh, I spoke to Zeb and I speak with Flo, the social media coordinator. Oh, I and speak Sarah. to Jonathan. Okay. So they're great. Um, they send me their things to test out, and I love what they do. And I actually spoke with them yesterday. I said, do you want me to bring them some cutting boards? So they hear him. Um, okay, so here we are pasting a garlic. So what you're going to do with the garlic is always have salt next to you, right? Mm. So if you see this, the first thing that you do, I love this because it's so therapeutic. Uh, you just smash. take the knife. <gasps> what? And then you just smash the garlic. Bad garlic. Bad, bad. <laughs> it's great. You let out a lot of aggression. And then I'm just going to take some salt. And then you're just going to chop up the garlic first. So chop, chop, chop. I chop, remember chop. doing this when I went to culinary school oh my for God, the summer it's one so year. Oh, so fun. Six years ago at CKCA. So if you're doing a lot of garlic, garlics, I guess the shortcut is using a mortar and pestle, but I, I personally find it very therapeutic to use the knife. You're cringing. I cannot handle when the edges scratch. I know. Keep those I'm telling you there's a big difference when you don't scrape the knife edge. So like that. That's how you do it. Well, how do you do it? Can you show I, me? I turn the knife over because I don't want to ruin that Here. edge. I go like this. It's yeah. too much time for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, it's but a lot of it's time okay. sometimes. It's a lot of time. I mean, okay. I'll try. Knife. I'll My try knives starting. are too precious. Yeah, you're, right. you're very... <gasps> I was saving this for Pesach. Does that mean I can't use it for Pesach? I'm hoping it... Lauren's going to send me one for Pesach. <laughs> so you can get one. Yes. Um, I don't know halacha. No, I'm not sure. But I think, you could, no. I think you could do that... Um, that kosher flip, you know that when you kosher your utensils? Yeah, yeah, kasha, when you kasha for pizza. <laughs> but no, but uh, I don't know. No, I think it's got this, so I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. I cook okay. for other people, so I'm very yeah, strict. Yeah, that's okay. So now, what now, as you Watch see, you. I'm pasting the garlic towards me. And the salt, what it does is that it lets out a lot of water. And then we're just going to paste, 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 paste. Paste means cut. Yeah, till it becomes like a pasty texture and you put it on some garlic bread or some fish and it's like very liquidy. So she's chopping it off. Fantastic. Mincing, yeah. yeah. So this is, it's a mince, but then it turns into a paste because mm -hmm. I'm adding the salt. Gotcha. It makes it into Susie's like a... Susie's like, I've done this. Not you've this I'm you've done it. with her. Everybody's, oh, you're testing me? No, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm checking in with you. I'm up for the challenge. No, she's checking in with you, not mm -hmm. testing you. No, no, I'm not testing you. You're doing a great job. Moshi, she can work I'll for you. I'll take it. I'm, I think I'm ready to hire her. Okay. She Let me know your hours. Knife skills. So if 6 a.m. report to Cedarhurst. <laughs> 6 a.m. I don't know if I can be up that early. Yeah. Let's, uh... <laughs> Well, I she's think already be there teaching them how to do this. Exactly. I could teach that. That, that I'll feel more comfortable They've got to teaching. They've got to want to learn. It's very hard to learn new tricks, you know. It's it is. It's definitely it's hard. It, it took me time, and I, I don't consider myself a pro at this point in my life. Thank you it's... so much for sharing that with us. Let's talk to Moishi now. You you can keep you'll stick around. Yeah, I'm, I'm You're gonna good. keep chucking here, chopping and talking with us. Moishi Hirsch, welcome to the show. Welcome. Okay, you having a good time? We know time? each other for many years. I know, since I moved in. And we finally got on, I finally got onto the show. You know why? Because I, I now here in the house. Since Corona, we're here in the house. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to have you. I love Central Perk, you know, I'm there all the time. How long have you had the restaurant for? We did, we're coming on to 20 years. Amazing. Wow, yeah, a long we, time. We actually signed the lease over 20 years ago, but wow. it took us about eight months to get it open and uh, coming up there. 
Ah, fantastic. Now tell me, being in the restaurant business for 20 years is like 100 years in the real world. Like not that many restaurants last that long. Do you feel like... It's, it's been, been a long ride. It's been a good. It's been a good ride. And you I worked so hard during Corona. You kept everyone in the neighbourhood fed. You kept your family fed. You know, all we, of us. We do what we got to do. But it also, like, like, like we said earlier here, it, it created a lot of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I love that you had you had the restaurant out the back. Yeah, we had the outside. We had the tent up. We had uh, outdoor seating. Now we we gradually moved over into uh, first we went onto third party apps because it was much easier that way to get food delivered what efficiently. Do you, what's it? What do you mean by third party app? Explain to the listeners. To um, what happens is, I'll give you a little background. The it started many years ago, about twenty years ago. Seamless started in the city. The yeah, my point, husband had it. When he was in a law firm. Correct. And the point of Seamless was was called a third-party billing, meaning if it was a law firm and then you went and you needed to pay for, take a client to lunch, then there had to be accounting for it. You had to go get it approved. You had to go – you know, there was a lot of paperwork involved. Seamless did was – They made they, it seamless. They made it seamless. That you called in the order f- through them. You called them. You had a lunch. They build the firm for you. They had a list of restaurants, and they used to send the order via fax to the restaurants. That's how it was. It was a de- dedicated fax machine that was signed to every restaurant. And that got then the app business got created because what happened was that if you want deliveries, and uh, let's use the five towns for example. And if we, on a quiet day, if we had, let's say, two deliveries going out, but one was going to Hewlett and one was going to Farakway, and if we sent to Hewlett first, the person in Farakway could wait up to 30 minutes to 45 minutes after the food is ready to get the food. Correct. And it got cold. The uh, Seamless merged together with, excuse me, with Grubhub, and Grubhub created ah. that. That's, that's how it was. Grubhub went and bought Seamless out, since Seamless was very big in New York. And they created this app that drivers would come pick up and they can send, if you had 20 orders, it made no difference. Because if you had two orders going to Hewlett, they would send one driver, take two orders to Hewlett, at the same time send a driver going to Northwood Mayor with another driver going to Farakway. So the, or, the concept of ordering became very easy. So you, this is really, but you don't have so many orders out of the five towns, right? Oh, you do. It was it, no. It's in, in a certain amount. Well, it works with, with, with how long it takes to get the delivery. It depends on the uh-huh. traffic. Uh-huh. With with how the range of availability is. Uh huh. So they. So now, once this got created, it came to COVID. This concept became on steroids because everybody was ordering food. Yeah. Okay. So now the way these app companies make money is. They charge a percentage to the restaurant. They charge thirty percent to the restaurant, and then they they also they double dip. I mean, they charge the customer fifteen percent more on the food. Now the restaurant is can't afford a thirty percent hit. So what do they do? They raise the price. So now an average customer is paying an average between twenty and forty percent more per order when you order on the app. In general. In general. Now. Okay, so how are you... Now we fast-forwarded this and we created this concept that we signed the contract, Central Perk signed the contract with DoorDash to do our deliveries. 
Uh-huh. So we bought in this company called Toast Tab. Yeah. And you can order, and it, it acts exactly like an app. It works exactly like an app. It remembers your, your last order. It remembers everything up on it. You place an order on it. It seamlessly comes right into us through our system. And DoorDash sends a cart to pick up the food and deliver it. Now, how does DoorDash make money? DoorDash charges us seven fifty a delivery plus a subscription every month. Yeah. So the Wall Street Journal had a whole article. I mean, it's a, it's a statistic article about stats, how it works. Yeah. That with paying $7 an order, with paying $7, an average order over $40, you save 30%. With paying the $7 delivery fee, since you're not paying any percentage wow. and any service fees to the third-party apps, for, the, for, say, for Uber Eats, for DoorDash. And the customers always say, why don't you just tell them, you don't want to get ripped off, order this way. But if you're used to a certain concept... Here, this concept, now you, now we cut out the third-party apps. You can order directly through the restaurant. And we created a button on our Instagram page. You can go to our Instagram page, which is uh, obviously you... Can I, can I show everyone? Sure. Hold on. I'm just going to go to Instagram, um, your Instagram. Ah, oh, no, I oh, know, I oh, know, I oh, know. Okay, hold on. Sorry, everyone. I'm pulling up Perk Central because I think this is... I thought this was great. Perk Central... And on straight onto Instagram, we're using my phone. You can do order food. Correct. And I have used it. I am testifying that this is a fantastic use of the way to order. Um, usually, I just drive down there and say hi, Moishi, and I order food that way. But when I don't have a chance, and when I was home with Corona back in December, I like was dying for an Impossible Burger, and I ordered through the app, and it was absolutely fantastic. And it came. Um, and now we brought Chef Susie on board. Now we talk to Chef Susie. Hey, Susie. Hey, I'm awake now. Susie, how are you? I'm Susie's great. always awake. Susie is a partner in crime with me. She's a, a chef, chef, a chef trained at the Culinary Institute of America. She Balchuva with an Ameri- amazing journey of finding Yiddishkeit with her teenage daughter how they became from together. She married a wonderful man. They have a little boy who's at Yeshiva of South Shore. Uh, we were introduced about five years ago. We were talking, I was saying, four yeah, years ago. by fourth year, right? Fourth year, fifth year. By, we call him Bosch Boschnack. If you know, he's been on the show a couple months ago. Uh-huh. And we have been cooking mm-hmm. together. Even though it's Aussie Gourmet, it's really... And we stole Susie from you, I guess. No, no, we share. We okay. share custody okay. of the child. Okay. Um, <laughs> And Susie and I are partners in crime on my Pesach business. Even though it says Aussie Gourmet, it really should be the Aussie Susie Gourmet. <laughs> but Susie has a lot of techniques and stuff that I didn't know because, you know, I didn't really go to chef school. And she's bringing a world of uh, outside, the outside world that she learned and trained in, into the kosher world. So uh, welcome, Susie. Thank to- you. Thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. It's been fun working with Moishi. Absolutely. Um, we've been working together for about two years off and on. Um, I helped Moshe with some new items, uh, just trying you to help like, my crew, not well, just me, I, I help the whole staff. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think outside the dots a little bit with my old, like, uh, non-from world. And, like, I have a palette that kind of, um, you know, is able to, like... Um, help out with with what new new concepts new flavors um which we came up with this 
crab, this Connie Rangoon. Now, Rangoon is like been around for ages. It was um, what? What food is it? What it's, cuisine? It's, it's American, if you could imagine Chinese American. It was ah, it was made like from Trader, pop. from uh, uh, no. Um, from uh, Trader Vic's. It was a restaurant back in, in San Francisco back in um, the 60s, 70s, I guess. And they constructed this particular sort of item. All Chinese restaurants, you go in there, they serve you a sort of fake crab cream cheese wonton. So here we have- Our cream. own version of that. I created these for um, Moshe and there, and for Central Perk, and it's basically a nice jalapeno and and ginger. Can and I just say what it is? It's delicious. <laughs> She's going to describe it. It is delicious. Moshe sent me some over to try as a sample. I was supposed to share it with a bunch of people, foodies <laughs> that were together. I ate it before everyone got there because I could not stop eating it. It is amazing, amazing. I love it. So I I really. Um, you know, thought this would be a great item for your menu and, um, you know, fun, it's been a, exciting. It's been a big hit. And, it's a huge uh, hit. A huge Everyone, hit. Loves, Everyone it. loves it. Everyone loves it. The guys don't like when I come to work there so much because they're like, uh-oh, more work, more work. Oh, Susie's uh, here. Uh-oh. <laughs> but it's good. Susie, tell us a little bit about your background. Where where did you work um, before so, this? Give us a little bit about that CV that you showed me before. Oh, my resume. Anyway, I... Um, really started with uh, when I was about 15, 16, loving, loving food. My mother was a great cook, um, Oliver Shalom, and uh, she was a professional artist. And so I think a lot of what my sort of food and artistic ability came from from her, uh, from traveling as a young child and going to a lot of high-end restaurants as a um, as a child, like four or five years old. Like my Leora Nachman. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, you know, um, really fancy restaurants. My parents traveled a lot. They took us all over the world. We went to a restaurant, Les Soufflés in Paris. Um, and so I got a real, like, appreciation for food and wine. I hated wine when I was little, but then I sort of realized that food and wine are so like a natural pairing, integrated a natural together. Pairing. Yeah. So um, I decided um, after I was really into cooking all through my high school years, and then I decided to uh, go to the Culinary Institute of America. Um, I wasn't a very good student in high school, but um, once I got to the Culinary Institute, I was uh, a shining top, star, top in my class. I I worked, uh, made croissants on the weekends as a as a extracurricular thing, um, and then I. I, after uh, cooking school, I uh, hooked up at uh, Sawanaka Yacht Club in Oyster Bay, which was crazy. Um, but it did. It was sort of um, one of those things where you sort of, once you come out of cooking school, you're not a chef. You have to, you know, you sort of have to work from the bottom up. And sometimes you don't really know that as a as a young person. But it's trial and tribulations all through your careers. But I ended up. My mother was again a famous uh, artist, and she knew a lot of people in Europe. So. I was able to go an apprentice in um, Belgium at a uh, Michelin two-star restaurant. So um, that really jump-started my career as uh, like really like s very systematic, like, you know, uh, culinary. Um, it was, it, it's a regime, uh, a French kitchen. And everybody, I mean, it's really like 
the saucier and the and the garmager and the patissier and I now mean, explain that to everyone who has no clue what a blah 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 and a blah so, blah blah. So you all know? these are really very classic French terminologies for each person that like works into a kitchen, like a sommelier, like a, a wine person that 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 learns how to how to wine and food pair. So it's so uh, it, it's breaking down the kitchen, and everybody's got their exact job. Yes, from the saucier to, to the, the garmager, which is the the prep it's, vegetable prep to the sauce prep also, to the grill prep everything works in a line and that's why working on the line is like when you hear someone working on a line in a restaurant they've got their position so i was friends with the chef he and i lived right there in the heart of the city in a little tiny little room and um but i really flourished and like learned as much as i could and traveled and i worked in a a chocolate a, a belgian chocolate store was the transition hard to go from not kosher to kosher when you became from well i had a lot of knowledge of of from kite let's say because you grew up in a tr traditional I, 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 we went to the synagogue twice a year Okay. Uh, oh, whatever. Um, she but, goes every but week. But my parents were kept kosher when I was little, when my grandparents were alive, and um, uh, and my cousins were um, religious. So I would go to their house for Shabbos, and and I would drive there and go home. But but yeah, I don't think it was so hard transitioning because I really knew the idea of of meat and dairy. But um, and it wasn't that hard. I think just koshering the kitchen and knowing that I couldn't bring anything else in. So you had to like really like work hard to like if you had something that wasn't kosher and you love that flavor, did you have to work hard to try to bring that into the kosher recipe? So I did have a hard time transitioning from um, not necessarily into my own home. I have like destination places that I go. I go to Patisse for bread. I go to, you know, Glot Mart for meat. I, and gourmet glot too, but of course um, gourmet glot. Of course, I mean I'm here. I'm not going to run to Brooklyn, but I have very destination places, and I'm very destination because you want chef. the best. Yes. you want the best from that. So I had a really hard time transitioning from the salsa from my favorite restaurant, and although it was all parv, it took me a while to like transition, like to go away from not bring. I didn't bring it in the home, but I might have tasted it out. Mm -hmm. So then I stopped. I can't do this anymore. So then I try to recreate those items. Think about it, flavor levels, and recreate those items. Susie, that's amazing. I know this is just a small snippet of Susie's journey. And throughout the year, you're going to come on and you're going to share a little bit more. Love you to come back and talk about recipes. Well, what that too. You know, I was adopted right. from a from family. Wow. Right. My grandfather was religious. So, and so it's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing story that you've anyway, love had it. and what you've got in front of you. You have a beautiful family. Thank you. A lot of nachas from them, and I love I mean, working with you. Yeah, I love working with you. And it, we're a perfect match together because I'm good at my stuff and you're good at your stuff. 100%. And we work together. We can't – not sure what to do. We go to each other. With us, communication has been really key and it's been 100%. really wonderful. Moishi, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to be here. Uh, I'm, I, you had a whole – you had to sit for the whole hour. Because, oh, um, he's actually really happy he got to sit down. Lauren, thank you so much for coming so on the much. show. I really loved having so you. Trying. I'm going to enjoy my new knife. Yeah. Um, 
We had it's Rebecca. a great night, by the way. Um, shout out from Susie. She, she put a signature on it too. Yeah. Um, uh, we had Rebecca from Israel and we had Shani Simon from our sponsorship from Manashevitz. Want to wish everyone Shabbat Shalom, Happy Shushan Purim, Happy Erev, Erev Pesach. And we have music sponsored by our friends at Kedep right up until Lech Benching. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>